must consider, think about, pray about, and receive the love of God. Because we're going to talk today about loving one another. And the only way that I know that I can love you, and I do, is because he loves me, and he does. Now, I want you to think about that, because that is the foundation for what we do in our loving relationships with each other. And we continue in our series, or our discussion, our sharing, related to the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been here for several weeks because Jesus, even though this was a fairly short sermon, it is packed with absolute truth and things that you and I need to ingest and digest and put into ourselves and into our spirits and into our minds. And last week we talked about seeking and knocking and all of those things to learn more about being with the Lord and his characteristics And right at the end of that section on uh, knocking and seeking and finding and knowing the Lord is this one short phrase that we'll put on the screen here for a moment. It's Matthew 7, 12. Just a very short sentence right in the middle of all of this stuff that Jesus is saying to us. But he says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you For this sums up the law and the prophets. So in everything, love one another the same way that you would want them to love you. Now we're going to think about that today. Because in that short sentence, there's a summary, if you would, of the Sermon on the Mount. Because if you go back and look at what we've talked about for the last several weeks and go back and study deeper the Sermon on the Mount, you will see over and over and over and over concepts of relationships. Concepts that will help you and I deal better with relating to each other, loving one another. And so right in the midst of this, Jesus says this powerful statement that And everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And I want you to think about that, and we're going to come back to that at the end of my sharing with you today to get you to think more about what you would want, how you would want other people to love you. Because then Jesus is saying, if you'll concentrate on that, then that's going to help you love other people. But understand, and I've said this to you before, as far as I'm concerned, relationships are the most important things in the world. Bar none. First and foremost is our relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. And I I believe you're here because you would agree with that. But then from that is all of the loving relationships that we do have and that we're supposed to have in our life, in our families, in our church family, in our community, with our neighbors, with those people that we don't even know. And yes, even with some of those people that we don't even like. (laughs) 
Whoever said amen, thank you. Because that is the truth. Because think back in the Sermon on the Mount and think about some of the things that Jesus has already said. Uh, go back to the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. Or blessed are those that are merciful. Isn't that a relational concept? And then he moves into the whole business about don't be angry and don't lust and don't be divorced because you need to have respect and honor of other people in your life. And then he even says if you're struggling with somebody and they are against you, turn the other cheek. And then he says, oh my goodness, about those people we don't like. He says, love your enemies. <laughs> you, you do remember that he says all of that. And then he talks about prayer. And in the prayer, we're led to get to know our Heavenly Father better. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Well, that's so that we can love others better. And then what does it say at the end of that? Forgive. Forgive those that have wronged you as you're forgiven by your Heavenly Father. Relationships over and over. And then just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact of don't keep looking at the speck in your brother or sister's eye when you got a board in your own eye. That's a great relational principle. If I can work on myself, then I better can work with you. If I can correct and confess and be repentant of my own struggles, then I can love you better. And so this whole business of loving one another is all through this Sermon on the Mount. And so here Jesus is just saying, remember that I've said all this because he has said all this. And he continues to say it. In fact, wouldn't you agree with me that loving one another, loving each other, relationships, that that's basically the theme of the New Testament. It's all through there. And we're going to think about that a little bit more today because I do know for a fact that for me and for you that Almighty God asks us to love one another. Now, I want to remind you, and I've preached on this passage of Scripture, but I cannot talk about this loving and loving relationships without going to the very foundation that Jesus gave us. And if you want to find it, it's in the 22nd chapter of Matthew. Because Jesus is teaching as he usually does. And one of the Pharisees comes to him and says, Master, what is the greatest commandment? Great question. But of course, the Pharisees were trying to trick him. And what did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind, and your soul, and love your neighbors as yourselves. Now, like I say, I've, I've been before you, I think, about a year ago. This was one of my first statements because I believe in this passage because Jesus said it's the greatest commandment. We're to love the Lord our God with everything we got. Mind, heart, soul, strength, everything. And that is foundational. Without that, now I want you to hear me. Again, I will say, without that, I don't think I can love you. 
And I want to love you. I do love you. Because the fact is, is that God has presented himself to you and me so that we can love him with our mind and heart and soul and strength and all of what we have. And in that love, then love flows out from that. But I will tell you that as a sinner, which you are and I am, in our sinful nature, I don't believe that we can love. <laughs> now, that's a drastic statement. You may know people who are good people, and yet they're not Christians. They don't have forgiveness. They don't have the presence of the Lord in their lives. But they're good people, and you think, well, they seem to love other people. Well, yes, and I, I don't know that I totally understand that. But I know me and I know you and I know people really well and I know our selfishness is only defeated by the presence of Jesus Christ in our life. And we have the privilege of that. And so then, because of that kind of love that we've received, then we can move toward loving the other two. Now, we love God. And remember, I've said in this passage of Scripture that Jesus said, there are three love directions. Now, most people think they're just two, but Dr. Don here thinks, believes that there are three. And I explain that to you very carefully because I don't want you to get the wrong feeling because, number one, we are to love God with everything that we've got, and that is foundational. And number two, because of the love that we have for God and then because of what he says, and because of his love for you and me, we are to love ourselves. That's the second. Now, that may seem strange to you, but I hope you've heard me say that before. Because the fact is, if we don't accept God's love and understand that he loves you as a man or a woman, I think it's really hard then for you to get beyond yourself and go and love your neighbors. So I believe that in Jesus' statements, there's an absolute formula, if you would, an absolute pattern for doing exactly what he said because when we understand and love God in the proper way with all of our mind and heart and soul and strength, and then we know, and I emphasize that word. I don't want it to be maybe. I don't even want it to be a belief. I want you to know that Almighty God says that you're valuable and that you are a part of his kingdom and that he has loved you so much that he's invited you into his family. <laughs> Would you just think about that for a moment? I run into people all the time, and I suffered from it when I was younger. I didn't think I was valuable. I run into people all the time that do not think they're valuable. They say, I'm just not worthy. Well, no, we're not in and of ourselves. No, we're not in our sinfulness. But we are worthy and right and righteous in and through the relationship of Jesus Christ in our life. And so it all boils down to loving God and accepting his gift. And here's a key phrase, 
and then agreeing with him that it's okay in a righteous, proper, godly way to love ourselves because he says you are lovable, you are val valuable, and I would like to encourage you to agree with him. I have so many people that come and see me that do not agree with him. And I think, do you know what God says about you as a person, as a man or a woman? And the fact is, is that God loves you and God forgives you and God welcomes you into his family. And we need to live in that, not in please, not in conceitedness, not in pride. No, no, no. In the humility and in the surrender to the fact that this is what God says. And so, yes, we're to love God and then we're to love ourselves in a proper godly way. And then we move there and we love one another. We love our neighbors. We love the people in our family. Uh, Dave, do you know that your neighbor is that nice lady sitting right next to you and that other nice lady sitting right next to her? Because y'all are family. That's your neighbor. That's your closest neighbor. Now, Judy, where's Bob? He's way back there. He's not very close to you right now. <laughs> That's okay. We know that y'all are close. But y'all are neighbors in a wonderful, loving, family relationship way. And then your neighbor's next door and your neighbor's down the street and your neighbor's right here in King's Grant Baptist Church. Yes, we're to love one another. It is absolutely essential to our Christian faith, absolutely the central theme of all of what we're thinking about today when we, in everything, do to others what we would have them do to ourselves. So please understand that this is major, foundational. Now, I'm going to share a scripture with you that, that a lot of people maybe do, are not familiar with because it, it speaks to what I'm, what I'm talking to you about here. If I can get to it. This comes from the 2 Corinthians 5th chapter, verses 14 and 15. Now, 2 Corinthians 5th chapter is a very powerful chapter because it goes on with verse 17 and talks about uh, everyone that's in Christ Jesus as a new creation. And it goes on to talk about the fact that we're given the ministry of reconciliation. So 2 Corinthians 5 is just packed with very good things. But there's a scripture in 14 and 15 that I don't think is very familiar. But it speaks to what we're talking about today. Listen carefully because it says in verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a second. This is what I was saying a moment ago. The only way that we can love one another, the only way we can, we, we can love our family, the only way we can love is because of Christ's love in ourselves. And it says right here, for Christ's love compels us. Now, what does compelled mean? It empowers us. It makes us able, enables us to love. And so for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. Now, who is that one? 
Jesus Christ, and therefore all died. Now that's a bit of a confusing statement. But aren't we told that we're to die to ourselves? Jesus set the example by dying on the cross. He made the ultimate sacrifice. And hallelujah for that. But then we're convinced through love from Jesus Christ and through our call and being compelled by Christ's love, then we are to die. And in verse 15, and he died for all, Jesus Christ died for all, that those who live, folks, that's you and me, he died for all so that those that live should no longer live for themselves. Wow. There's the defeat of selfishness. Think about that, please. This is Christ's love compels us and that he died for all, that those who live, you and me, should no longer live for ourselves. We're supposed to love one another. So for him who died for them, meaning all people, and he was raised again. So Jesus was victorious. Now please understand that that's a very powerful statement from the second, second Corinthians 5th chapter. Listen to it again. I'll read it straight through. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but live for him and live for the others that he loves. So the fact is, is that this kind of loving one another overflows. Now I want you to think, it's not something that we're supposed to force because it is something that if and when we live in this loving relationship with Jesus Christ, it will then overflow. The joy will be there. The, the willingness will be there. The forgiveness will be there. The, the acceptance will be there. The humility will be there. Not because of me or you, but because of the presence of Jesus Christ in our life. And so it overflows in an experience of love, loving one another. Now, Think with me for just a moment about this phrase, loving one another. Have you ever done a study on that in the New Testament? If you've never studied, if you've never gone online or gone to your commentary or looked through the New Testament with some guidance, it, it's all through the New Testament, even the phrase or the indication of loving one another. Actually, there's some debate. But some people said there are 35 different references in the New Testament to loving one another. And other people say they're up to even 59. And so regardless of who's right there, if you go through and if you look, and there are lists all over. Go, go on your computer, go on your smartphone, and just put in the term loving one another in the New Testament. And you will come up with a whole list. Now, 
No, I'm not going to go through 35 different scriptures right now. But we could because they're all biblical. They're all authentic. They're all God's word. And they all say something about loving one another. But that's what we're talking about today. So I am going to share with you. I think I've got five. So we won't be here too long, folks. Just listen very carefully because these are very real. And it starts this whole business of loving one another. And I've already said this, but we say it again because it starts with the statement that Jesus said to his disciples the night before he was crucified. It's in John 13, verse 34. Now, again, I hope you know that verse, but this is what it says. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's just, he's just finished washing their feet. Uh, they're in the upper room the night before he's crucified. And he has just given them a lesson in servanthood as he has washed their feet. And now Jesus says to his disciples this, A new command I give you, love one another. There it is. And love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. By this men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, that's Jesus' statements, and in that small verse, there are three love one another's. <laughs> so please understand that Jesus has laid the foundation right there the night before he was crucified. And remember, and I've said to you, that part of what he's doing the night before he's crucified is he's preparing his people in order to serve, in order to be witnesses to him, in order to live in his power and live in the Holy Spirit. And he's saying that this is a new suggestion, a new uh, maybe, a new thought for you to consider. No, Jesus Christ says, a new command I give you. Now, a command is a command. It's not a maybe. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Remember what he did the next day, please. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, was that just applicable to the disciples 2,000 years ago? As the new church began right after Jesus was crucified and ascended into heaven? Or is that applicable and true for you and me today? And I hope you know. I am expecting all of us to know the answer. That God's word and God's truth, same yesterday, today, and forever. So we are to, to love one another. And here, that is Jesus' statement right here is the foundation for this whole concept of what is called one anothering. That's what this whole study of loving one another is called. One anothering, loving one another. Now, in Romans 12, verse 10, it says, love must be, well, actually, verse 9, Romans 12, 9 and 10. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. And so there, there are two love one another's. 
And it says be devoted. Now, I don't know that that's a word that we use a great deal. To be devoted or devotion or I'm devoted to you. But that's a very good word because it be, it means completely embracing you, uh, enthusiastic about you, uh, affirming of you. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love and honor one another. And in other places, it's about to say honor one another above yourself. Because this is part of loving and honoring one another. So that's Romans 12, 9 and 10. Philippians. Another powerful passage. And it says Philippians 2, 4 and 5. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. You would look to the interest of one another. And it says you should not look only to your own interest. Please understand, and I must understand, because we all struggle with this. Jesus Christ is the defeater of selfishness. That's a great defeat. If I will let that happen, if you will let that happen, if we will get outside of ourselves and love one another. So each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also that to the interest of others. Verse 5 in Philippians 2 says, Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. What? Yes, that's what it says. Now how? When we understand the command of Jesus to love one another, what we just read in, in John 13, 34, and when we understand that through Jesus Christ we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, then Scripture is saying that if I live in that, then my attitude should be, can be, the same as that of Christ Jesus for you and me to love one another. James 5, 16. It says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Now it occurs to me, and the reason I put this in here to just illustrate, because when somebody confesses to someone else, if you confess your sins to a brother or sister, it occurs to me that you trust that person, which is really good. I'm in favor of confession. I think it's a healthy kind of concept. However, I'm also in favor of you and I confessing to somebody that we trust, that we have a loving relationship with, that we're able to give and take. And so this is a statement of relationship. Therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. <laughs> yeah, we all need healing. We're broken people. We're broken because of sin. We're broken because of selfishness. We're broken because we have broken relationships. We're broken because we do not love one another. This is part of God's plan to get us away from our brokenness, and into his healing. And so it says, confess your sins to one another, 
pray for one another so that you may be healed. And then in Ephesians 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Don't you like it when people are just nice? Don't you like it when people are just pleasant? And they treat you like a wonderful brother or sister, a friend. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Yes, but when we go back to our verse here in Matthew 7, 12, and everything do to others what you would want them to do to you. Basically, Jesus is saying that I need to be kind and compassionate first. Yes. Yes, I hope so. Because I run into people again all the time that say, well, if they'll be nice to me, then I'll be nice to them. Now, why did you chuckle? Because you know it to be true. I just can't be nice to that person because they're just not nice to me. Well, that's not what this says. And it go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. Love those people that you don't even like. Love those people that are not even kind and nice to you. But here it's saying, be kind and compassionate. We could sit here for a long time defining the term compassionate. But I'd love for you to think about that because that's a great term. It's a great concept. Compassion. And my sense is that means greatly to get outside of yourself and understand what the other guy's going through. Don't look at your own stuff all the time. Understand what the other person is experiencing. So be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ God forgave you. Now, I love talking to people about relationships and loving one another because Scripture talks about it. And like I say, I, I just gave you one, two, three, four, five, five one another verses. But I said... Most people believe there are at least 35 in the New Testament where it indicates that we're to love or be devoted or be related to one another. Now, I want to share this one other verse, one other passage of Scripture, because in the book of 1 John, the fourth chapter, there's great statements about loving one another. And so I want to read through this and just share a thought or two with you. In 1 John, the fourth chapter, starting with verse 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another. There it is again. For love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Please just listen to God's word there. If I love, and if I love in a godly way, then it says that I have been born of God and know God. 
I deeply desire that. I want that. And that says that the fruit of my love for you and others is going to measure that. And then in verse 16, it says, and we, and so we know and rely. That means depend on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him or in her. So we depend on, there's that concept of overflow. When we live in the love that God has for us, then it overflows to our neighbors. It overflows to others. And then in verse 19 through 21, 1 John 4, 19 through 21, it says, we love because he first loved us. There it is, folks. You understand how consistent scripture is? You understand how you can interpret Scripture by Scripture? You understand if you keep looking, you're going to see the same thing repeated over and over and over? I believe in repetition because I need to get it. Some of you, you're saying, yep, me too. So it says right there, we love. Why? How? Because he first loved us. And if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother... He is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Here it is again, folks. Whoever loves God must also love his brother and sister. We are to love one another. So now, to finish my comments and your thoughts about my comments, I hope you're still thinking about it. I want you to go back to this powerful statement that Jesus said, so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. I want you to take just a minute or two here at the end of our sharing today. And I want you to think specifically, what do you want others to say and to be to you what kind of treatment do you desire for others to give to you how do you want others here in this church or in your family what do you want them to offer to you in a loving relationship what characteristics things like respect or things like inclusion we love to belong to other people and we want to know that we have relationships. Things like listening in a loving relationship. Do you want others to listen to you? Do you want others to be considerate to you? Do you want others to be thoughtful to you? Do you want others to pray for you? Do you want others to just absolutely love you. <laughs> so I want you to think right now. Just I'm going to be silent for one minute. And I want you to think about one thing. What do you want from others as they love you? Now, based on this scripture and everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. The things that you just thought about 
pure love, listening, relationships, consideration, uh, compassion, kindness, uh, joy, peace, whatever you thought that you wanted from other people, Jesus is saying, then you and I need to go and give that to others. We need to initiate toward other people these kinds of loving relationships. We are Christians, and as a Christian, Scripture teaches us that we're to love one another. Yes? Let's pray. Father, we confess to you that we still struggle with selfishness. All of us, that's part of our sinfulness, and we know and we've said here today that in the spirit and the presence of Jesus Christ in our life that part of that is to defeat selfishness so we pray earnestly for that we pray for a sense of giving of compassion of loving in a godly way those around us to love one another and to do it with absolute joy overflowing from the love that you give to us. Father, thank you for the love that we have. Thank you for the freedom that we have. Thank you for the forgiveness that we have. Thank you for giving to us your spirit and your presence through Jesus Christ in our lives. Now, our prayer is, is that we will go and give that love and give that spirit of love to others. Thank you for allowing us. Thank you for compelling us. Thank you for enabling us to do that. And we look to the joy and peace that will come as we do that. Thank you, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.